it is quite wonderful how a different translation can take a very known part and just make it sound so different. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for that song too, Shamala. That was really nice. Let's pray. Faithful God, we come into your presence with thanksgiving, deeply grateful for the unfailing love and faithfulness to you. When we find ourselves in trouble, you are there standing beside us. And so we come before you with gratitude and praise, offering you the worship of our hearts and our lives. Please open our eyes now to see and know that you are here amongst us. Open our ears to recognize your voice and then send us out from here to live and work in your world as your faithful disciples. Thank you that we can ask this in your name, the name above all names. Amen. Today's reading is from Psalm 90, verse 1 to 6, and then again from verse 13. So, Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight is like a day when that has just gone by, or like a watch at the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it's dry and withered. Relent, God, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad years if, as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor or beauty of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So say the word of God. When we read this psalm, this poem, what we see here at the start is a metaphor. A metaphor that has been part of Israel's story for a long, long time. Throughout the generations. It has been this comfort to the people of the Lord to know, to find peace in the fact that the creator, God, is present. That with God, in God, there's this space, this space full of security and rest and comfort. It has been this constant truth for generations. It's nothing new. Regardless of the people in, and their circumstances and their actions towards Jesus, against God, there is this strong knowledge found in the fact that God is a source of security and protection for his people and has been through the ages. God was and is and will forever be this place, this dwelling place. And in actual fact, the only thing that people should want to have. And from generation to generations is this knowledge. Where humans and kings have ruled, good ones, bad ones, 
where the rulers have been good and bad and some have failed and some have succeeded, this knowledge is timeless. God is a place of security and strength. And then it's so interesting because this knowledge, this steadfastness, turns a bit in verse 3 to 6 when it is put in contrast with human frailty. Then we read how we as humans can be frail, how we can return to dust, how we can be fresh in the morning, green in the cool morning light, and then dry and lifeless at night. And so strongly contradicted with the security that one can find in the Lord, the lasting stability and strength in the Lord, and then we see how humans can just kind of succumb to human condition. And then again, we see sooner or later, we will know God is in control. Where all humans sometimes fail and sometimes do things wrong and sometimes get it really wrong, the creators stayed fast. And then we skip to verse 13, and there we read, teach us that our days are numbered, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And, and here we begin to, to get to the central part of the, of the psalm, the awareness of human limits and weakness, knowing that each and every single day is precious, and we don't know if we will be given it again, it's, it's not this mere coincidence. We need to see this. We need to acknowledge our own limits. And in knowing that, we will gain wisdom. And so what he's trying to tell us is that if we gain a heart of wisdom, we will approach life in a prayerfulness, a prayerful awareness of our weakness and our complete dependence on God. Now, this might sound like just every other psalm in a way, but what makes this psalm so different than any other or so many others is where so many other psalms focus on the despair and abandonment people felt by God. This psalm focuses on the fact that of it all, despite all human flaws, despite all failures, despite being so human, they know no matter what goes wrong in their lives, no matter how much their humanness will get in the way of living this fulfilled life, they know sometimes things happen out of their own doing. And I mean, that's something no one wants to hear, right? That's something no one wants to admit. When things are going really bad, the last person that deserves the blame is ourselves. When the world is unfair and there's all sorts of wrong in the world, when the plans we make just don't go the way we want them to, it is mostly all sorts of circumstances or people that take the blame, not us. But this psalm kind of claims it. It kind of says, yes, we know we're human. We know we struggle and we fail and we fall. Even in just how we handle the bad things that come our way, we desperately need the dwelling place of God. And then comes verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Some translations speak of may the blessing, the mercy, the compassion, the beauty of God be on 
its people. And that's how it ends. I often read about the frailty of men, how we sometimes struggle to do and see the right things, how we can so easily feel far away from God. The psalm ends with this prayer, may the favor of the Lord be upon us. That's where the joy is found, in the presence of the Lord and the relationship with God. That's what the poet is trying to say. That's what he's after, the mercy and compassion of God for his people. For without that favor, relationship with God, there's no hope for us at all. But then there's verse 17 too. And before we go to the last sentence of the poem, let's just stop for a moment. What does this all mean? Because the way I'm interpreting this poem might be very different than the way you are. The end says we need the blessing of the Lord in our lives. We need the blessing of the Lord. We need the favor of God. Otherwise, all this humanness, all these human tendencies we don't want to admit to, they might get us into trouble, into more trouble than we care to be in. And so we may not only need the presence of God, we also need the blessing, the kindness, the favor of God. Reading the psalm too quickly, it might sound like this is the sum total of what the psalm has to say. And then we can ask a question, well, if that's true, what does it mean to be blessed by God? And the way I interpret being blessed, being favored by God, might be, some, might be something totally different than what you're used to. What does it mean to be blessed? Forget a moment about the nice and easy answers. In your heart of hearts, if you could write a definition down for what it means to be blessed, what would it be? If you are on social media and you look at other people's lives, if you look at your friends' lives, and when you sit with people for tea, for lunch, your idea of their lives and what it might mean to be blessed might get stretched a bit, challenged a bit, or even led astray. We are forever tempted to let our ideas of what it means to be blessed be shaped and formed and even determined by what the world thinks it means to be blessed. Me and lots of us, status, friends, and lots of them, that is to be blessed. Success, the right job, the perfect house, the perfect child, a new car, a fancy holiday, having this five-year plan and it's all on track, that is what it means to be blessed answered prayers, signs that help us guide the way, a minimum amount of trials and difficulties, that is what it means to be blessed. Surely if I have all these things, I'll feel blessed. Surely those who have all these things must be blessed. And if I don't, then the opposite must be true. If I'm unhappy, unhealthy, jobless, desperate, depressed, struggling to make ends meet, then the favor of the Lord must be quite far away. 
in this way. That what we have equals how blessed we are. That answered prayers are a measurement of how blessed we are or not. Plans that work out, jobs that come through, that counts for being blessed or not. But then we read this psalm. And the whole idea of being blessed, feeling the Lord's favor, is shown and experienced through something different. It is shown, it is seen, it is felt in the presence of the Lord. That is the fact, the truth. That is being blessed, knowing that we are in the dwelling place of God. That there is space in the dwelling place of God for all of us. Regardless of where, we, where we've been, what we've done, what we have felt, what we've said, what we planned, there is strength and love and security for all of us in our relationship with God. That is the blessing. That is the favor we get. That is what we should want to have with all our hearts. That is what's supposed to satisfy us. What's supposed to fill our sometimes empty or half-filled cups. That should be the often does exactly the opposite happen. How many times do we measure the extent of God's presence by what is in our lives? What we have been given? Because let's be honest for a moment, when we do measure what we have with how much God has blessed us, in most circumstances, those feelings of blessing and abundance might reduce the time of time we spent with God. Let me say it again. When we measure what we have with how much God has blessed us, in most circumstances, these feelings of blessings and abundance might reduce the amount of time we spend with God. If we have all we want, what would we need from God? When we live happy, free, blissful lives, there isn't much room for God. And so if we see blessing as purely what we have, but it doesn't determine how we feel towards the Lord, no amount of possessions or prosperity or good times will influence our daily times spent with God. And neither will the opposite. Then no amount of pain or discomfort or stress will take away this knowledge that God is in fact very, very close and still very, very active in our lives. See materials when talking about being blessed. Being blessed was all about those moments of being shared with God. Times that should be spent with the Lord. That's where the blessing lies. The greatest blessing always rests in God itself. And I know this is so much easier said than done. To always find peace in the presence of the Lord when things might feel like they are literally falling apart, I know that's really hard. So how do we look at being blessed? Blessing people was a way, 
a lot of writers in the Bible, but especially Paul greeted his readers and those who listened to him. In Ephesians 1, we hear a very common greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on from verse 4. He says, for those, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So Paul says, here's the blessing. I greet you in this blessing. You are blessed because you are chosen by God. God is the person who chose me, no matter where I am, no matter what I do. At work, I am selected for the qualifications I have or my experience. For my studies, I get chosen because of my grades. In my relationship, I get chosen based on the fact how good a friend I am. But God's God, who has chosen us not just as a random number, but specifically adopted us as a child. It says something about how God feels about us and how God feels about our relationship. That God wants to be a mother, a father to us. One who cares, who wants to help, who wants to love. That's the blessing. And then Ephesians goes on. Through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, praise of the glorious grace. Blessed are those because God gives us the grace to live. You two sings a song, Grace. It says it beautifully. Grace is a thought that changed the world, which once was hurt, what once was fr friction, what left a mark no longer stings because grace makes beauty of ugly things. Grace finds goodness in everything, finds beauty in everything. And this is given freely to us through Jesus. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We are blessed because we are forgiven and saved. We are blessed because we have the grace through Jesus. We are blessed because we are his children. We are chosen. If we can hold on to these blessings, we will feel blessed and favored. Imagine if these kinds of feelings could determine our ideas about what it means to be blessed and to feel blessed. Imagine if this could be the way we experience the Lord's favor in our lives. It might change a whole lot. And then the end of the psalm says, Now establish the work of our hands. After the grace and favor and blessing is received, may this be the basis of the work of our hands. May this be the motivation, the rational behind our doing, behind the work of our hands. May this be how we treat those around us, how we walk and talk and work with others. And in that, may we also bless those around us. Amen. Let's have a moment of silence so this can all just sink in.